Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time to come together in this place as your people. And I pray that somehow, some way this morning that we would be caught up in your story, that we would be caught up in what you're doing in your world, and that our lives would be touched by you, that our lives would be shaped by you, that we can leave this place today saying that we've met with you, that you truly have got a hold of our hearts and minds and changed us, Lord. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, here at the greenhouse, we're, we're gospel people. Um, we're people that believe that God has called us to deliver the gospel to a broken, hurting world, and he does that through the power of his Holy Spirit. Gospel people. We believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. We believe in the resurrection of Jesus, that Jesus Christ is alive today, and the power of his resurrection has rippled into eternity. That the power of his resurrection is impacting lives ever since the time that he was raised up, that he's influencing that he's changing hearts and minds, and that he's calling people to himself through the power of his resurrection. A great story for us to kind of get a hold of what happens, what happens when our lives in the resurrected power of Jesus cross paths? What happens when our lives in the resurrection of Jesus intersect? What happens when our lives and the resurrection power of Jesus collide together? What what happens when the resurrected Jesus shows up in our lives? What happens? And I believe that the story that we see in the Gospels of Peter really kind of sheds light on what happens in somebody's life that has been influenced by the God of the universe that is alive and well, that has been resurrected, that's at work even now in this place. Peter, right? This guy named Peter that we see in the Gospels. We first see him, he's fishing, which I love fishing. I'm sure he had a St. Croix fishing on his hand, fishing, but no, probably none of that. Um, but he was fishing. It was his vocation. Jesus shows up on the scene, right? Calls Peter to himself, says, follow me, let's go and do life together. Let's do that. Peter drops everything. And he begins to follow Jesus. And I think it's important for us to be reminded that Peter was a Jew and that any good first century Jew knew that they knew that they knew that their God was going to capitalize on his promise. That he was going to send a king, the anointed one was going to come and establish a kingdom on earth. That the anointed one was going to overthrow, in Peter's mind, the Roman Empire with force. And all of a sudden, Peter starts following this Jesus. And Jesus starts doing things that normal people don't do. He takes blind people and he gives them sight. He takes people that are paralyzed and all of a sudden they're walking. He takes dead girls and brings them back to life. He does all these great things and all the while... Peter and the disciples are like getting excited. They're like, oh, this could be him. This is the king. And at one point, Jesus even says, right? Jesus says, who do people say that I am? Who do people say that I am? And the disciples respond, well, some people say that you're Jeremiah. And some people say you're John the Baptist. And some people say that 
You're one of the prophets. And Jesus looks at him and says, who do you say that I am? And of course, Peter, he was always the quickest one to speak. A lot of times putting his foot in his mouth. But he said, you are the Son of God. You are the Christ. What Peter was saying was, Jesus, you are the King. You are the one that's come to set all things straight. You're the one that's come to capitalize on God's promises in our life. And then Jesus, right after that, responds and says, yeah, the details of me being that king, what it's going to look like for me to be that king is that I'm going to die a brutal death. And I'm going to be buried. And I'm going to be raised from the dead. And you know Peter, always putting his foot in his mouth. That ain't going to, not, not on my watch, Jesus. That ain't how it's going down. Uh-uh, no, sir. Nope, we're going to take this with force. We're going to make this thing happen. We're going to establish a kingdom on this earth by overthrowing the Roman Empire. That's the mind of the Jewish people at this time. And what did Jesus do? <laughs> Jesus went from commending Peter and saying that upon this confession, the church will be built to saying, I rebuke you, right? Saying, get behind me. Get behind me, Satan. For you're not about the plans of God, but you're about the plans of man. The beautiful part of that story, the part that I love about that story, is that what Jesus actually did was he put Peter back in his rightful place. See, Peter was called to follow Jesus. Right? Peter was called to let Jesus lead. But Peter tried to jump ahead. And Jesus said, uh-uh, I'm the king. It's my way. This kingdom's going to be ushered in by me, and I'm the king, and you're not. Get behind me. The beautiful thing about it is, even though Peter missed the mark, even though Peter missed the mark, Jesus didn't say get lost. He said, get behind me. Come on, let's keep on going. Let's keep on moving forward. Let's keep on moving toward the cross. And, and Peter gets behind him and he continues to follow him. And Jesus continues to do what, what he does. Brings life into broken places. The Last Supper. We're getting towards the end here. We're getting towards the end of Jesus' life as, we, as Peter knew it on earth. The Last Supper. Jesus has a meal with his disciples. Right? Jesus has this meal with his disciples and at the end of the day, Jesus says, you know what? Every single one of you, every one of you, every one of his disciples, every single one of you will be scattered. You will all take off running for the hills when I'm hung on that tree. And of course, Peter, what'd he say? Not me, Jesus. Ain't happening here. I'll follow you to the ends of the earth. And Jesus said, no, 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 we won't. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Shortly after, I believe Matthew 26, it's all in the same chapter. Jesus taken away. And I'll tell you, not a one, the scripture says, not one of his disciples followed him. Not one of them went after him. When Jesus was taken away, they believed that all hope was taken with him. They believed that their king, who they thought was the king, was done for. They were hopeless. They were hurting. 
And they all went back to their old way of life. We find Peter again at the end of the book of John. He's fishing. He's back in the same place that Jesus first met him. He's fishing. He's fishing with the other disciples. Doing his thing. Denied Jesus. But what he didn't know is that even though he got caught up in his own way and in his own plan, that the plan of God would still prevail for all of humanity. That the king of the universe would still climb up that hill called Calvary. That he'd die for the sins of the world. That he'd be buried in death, hell, and the grave could not hold him down because he's perfect and he's good and he's all together. So Jesus raises up from the dead and he meets Peter. Notice, God comes back to Peter. Peter denied him. Peter did what he wanted. He was bent to go in his own direction and he went. God met him right back where he was at the beginning of the story. He was willing to give Peter another chance. So what happens when the resurrected Jesus shows up in Peter's life? What happens when the life of Peter and the resurrected Jesus collide and cross paths. I'll tell you what happens. Peter, as soon as he notices who this is at the seashore, he hops out that boat. He's like, whoop! I don't think he walked on water this time. I think that he like had to pull up his whatever they got on, you know, pull up his robe or whatever they wear. And they're like, he's like running in the water to get to Jesus. Right? The beauty of it all is what happens when the resurrected Jesus shows up in our life is He invites us. He invites us into relationship with Himself. No matter what we've done, no matter how many times we've denied Him, no matter how many times we've spit in God's face and said, I'm going to do life my way, the resurrected Jesus comes to us with those nailed scart wrists. I love you. I forgive you. You're my son. And He invites Peter into relationship with Him. Peter, do you love me? You know I love you, Jesus. And he asked him that three times. And he says, go then. Go and feed my sheep. The beauty of it is the God of the universe, the resurrected Jesus, when he shows up in our lives, he invites us. He invites us into relationship with him through the blood that was shed at Calvary. He forgives us and he says, come with me, son. Let's do life together. That's the beauty of it all, right? It's not just pray a prayer and God sits on the clouds and says, you're forgiven, now have life. No, he says, I'm going to enter in and I'm alive and I'm willing to do life with you. And he goes, Peter goes with Jesus, right? And we get into the book of Acts. Jesus has been resurrected from the dead and for 40 days he's teaching. He's doing what he does. And he says, go and wait for me in Jerusalem and I will pour out my spirit, the promise of the Holy Spirit in your lives. What happens when the resurrected Jesus shows up in our lives is we're invited into relationship with him through forgiveness. We're invited to do life with him, entire life with him. And then we're empowered to tell the world about how awesome he is through the power of his Holy Spirit emboldening, giving us that boldness to go and proclaim him to the world. And that's what happens in the book of Acts, Acts 2, chapter 2, verse 22. I'm just going to read this. This is Peter's first sermon. The guy that we've been talking about here, 
the one that had been influenced by Jesus in such a huge way, the Spirit of God falls and empowers him to tell the Jewish people these things. And this is for us today too. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles. This is Acts 2, verse 22. Miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, as you, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on Jesus. David, King David, your patriarch, David, said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, and I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope, because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. And then Peter goes on to say, Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of Jesus. David spoke. Thousands of years before, spoke of the resurrection of Jesus. That he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, listen to this, Therefore, let all Israel be assured this, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter, and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? What should we do about this? When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off. It's us too all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptized, and about 3,000, the first, the first person that preached a sermon that we know of after Jesus, post-resurrection, 3,000 people came to know the Lord. Peter and when Peter's life and the resurrection of power of Jesus cross paths, change happens. Newness happens. He was empowered to tell the world how good Jesus is. The gospel message is still impacting our lives today. 
the resurrection power of Jesus is rippling into eternity, into this moment now. Just so happened that the resurrection power of Jesus showed up in my life in a dark time, a complicated time. During a time when most people on this earth would have said, he's a lost cause. Nope. There's no hope for him. The resurrected Jesus showed up in my life as I laid in a hospital bed at the age of 21. He showed up. At a very young age, eight, nine years old, I was introduced to the gospel. I remember hearing someone tell me, I was at a Bible camp or something, that the God of the universe loved me and that he died for me and that he was buried and he was raised from the dead. And I prayed a prayer and I don't know, I don't know how all that stuff works out totally, but I know this, that when life got hard, right, when life got hard and my grandfather either uh, committed suicide or was murdered and then my grandmother also OD'd and died, when got, life got complicated for me, I did not know how to allow the God of the universe to be Lord of my life. I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't, my little 13-year-old heart didn't know how to reconcile those things and work through those things. And I denied God, and I said, God, you don't care. You don't want to do that, man. Is that me? Yeah. You've got to blame it on me, right? No. You don't want nothing to do with my life, right? And I went, and I did my own thing. I went, and I lived my own way of life. And that involved me destroying relationships. It involved me loving myself. Actually, I ended up hating myself. First, I thought, yeah, this is how I do me. I'm going to hang out with all the women I want. I'm going to party. I'm going to do life. And it ended with me in a hospital bed in a place that I never thought that I'd be at 21 years old. I thought I was going to die. I thought I was going to go to prison. And it was there in that hospital bed that I believed that my life and the resurrected Jesus crossed paths. It was in that hospital bed that I cried out to the God of the universe and I said, God, if you're real, if you're alive, help me. Here I am. And the death of Christ became a reality in me. The cross became a reality inside of my being in that moment in time. I truly believed maybe for the first time ever, that the God of the universe truly loved me enough to shed His blood for me at Calvary. And it was there in that hospital bed that I said, I don't know how to do life. I've heard these Christian people tell me about how you're Lord and Christ. I don't even know what that means, but whatever that means, I know I can't do this. I need you to help me. I need your help in my life. I said, do something with me. It was shortly after that. It was, God, man, that was such an awesome experience. I mean, I'm supposed to be like down and out in that bed, you know, strung out on drugs and life's ending and all. And God showed up and there was hope and there was newness right in the midst of all that because the Jesus we serve is alive and he's well and he takes, takes dead things, takes dead people and he makes them alive. That was for you, Ron. He takes dead people and he makes them alive, right? That's what he does. I was made alive in that place. I was made alive all alone with just Jesus when he showed up in that hospital. It was shortly after that that I went to a place called Teen Challenge. And the God of the universe continued to show me that he's alive. 
he continued to show me that the power of his resurrection is at work in the world. He continued to show me that if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Because of the resurrection, he's new. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I love this passage too. I think it's in Galatians. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within me. Wait a minute. If he's dead, how's he living in me? He's not dead. He's alive. It's Christ that lives within me. In this life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I love the Word. The Word of God that changes our lives, that grips our hearts, that calls us and invites us into a story bigger than ourselves. The story of God's redemptive plan that we get to participate in. That we get to take part in when the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, lives in us when we surrender our lives to the King. And empowers us to go into the world and tell the world about how good He is. I don't deserve, I don't deserve to stand up here and tell anyone anything, but God is good. And it just so happens that my brokenness and my story that's chaotic and crazy, I get to use it to tell all kinds of people about the power of God, because He's good, and He's gracious, and He's all together, and He's at work in this world right now. He's at work in this world as we sit here Christ reigns. The Spirit of God is at work, captivating hearts and minds. Even right now as we sit here, God is doing things in you. Be sensitive as He invites you into relationship with Him. If you already know Him, as He invites you to know the power of His resurrection even more in your life. Shortly after my time at Teen Challenge, it was actually during my time at Teen Challenge, I was asked uh, if I wanted to get baptized. And um, first I thought, all right, man, this stuff's weird. You know, it's not like when I'm in school, everybody's getting dunked in water, and I, what are these people talking about? Baptized. So I got in the Word, and I started reading. It's like, all right, I believe that this is true. Let's see what this says. And I actually read this passage that we, that we read this morning, Peter's sermon, how people were baptized, how they repented, how they turned from their ways, and said, God, I want to live for you. So I went with a whole bunch of other guys that most of the world would say, there's no hope for you. And we all went and got baptized. We all went to a muddy river, and we got dunked. And it was a beautiful thing, because I learned that what I was doing was symbolic of what God had already done in my life. That He died for me. And that when I come underneath that water, I'm dying with Him. I'm being buried, I'm being immersed in that water. And when I come out, I get to celebrate in the resurrection power of Jesus because He makes all things new. I get to be new with Him. And that's one of the things we're going to be doing today.